Sermon title today, Jesus Makes the Meal. Jesus Makes the Meal. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you promised us in your word, with your mouth, that when two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of them. And so Jesus, we know you are here now. And so bless this time that we spend in your word, with you, yourself, the word. That as we hear about what you deliver and give to us in your meal, that our hearts would be strengthened, that our souls would cling ever more to who you are, Jesus, to what you've done, and to what you give us. So send your Holy Spirit now to fill our hearts with faith and with trust in you. That as we hear your word, we would believe it, and that by believing it, we would become doers of it. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So water and wine. Just like Pastor Brian said, we're in week three of our series. Now we spent the last two talking about baptism. First, how God does all the work for us, right? We are 100% helpless before baptism, but then we're also 100% helpless after. That we need God's help to keep us in the faith, to grow our faith. And then last week, Pastor Ben led us through the beautiful solution that God gives to you and to me, to the broken relationships that we have with our friends, with our family, with people outside these walls. That the solution to those are the people here, your church family. That our family of faith is the way that God works to bring about healthy, healing, whole relationships. And so this week we're taking up communion, the Lord's Supper, and we're going to see just how important, just how ridiculous even it is, that Jesus makes the meal. But before we go there, I think it's fair to ask the question, do we even need a sermon about this? Do we even need a sermon that talks about Jesus' presence in communion? I mean, think about it. We are Lutheran Christians, right? If anyone needs a sermon, it certainly isn't us, right? We are people of the real presence. We talk all about it. Us pastors like to beat the drum, right? Jesus is really present. He's present here. Jesus is here in the meal. We talk about it over and over again. So certainly, maybe we don't need a sermon. Just think about our liturgy too, the life that we live together and how we practice our faith. When we do communion, when we distribute and we give you Jesus, we say, take, eat, this is the true body of Jesus. Take, drink, this is the true blood of Jesus. When we dismiss you too, what do we say? May the true body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus. It's evident, not just by us pounding the drum, But by the way in which we practice and live out our faith, we really believe that Jesus is present here in this meal. But what if, what if our familiarity with it, what if the fact that we do talk so much about it, what if the fact that it is so much a part of our every week, everyday life, that we end up missing out on just how ridiculous it is And what happens here? What if we're so familiar with it that we forget just how wonderful of a gift it is that Jesus does 
make the meal. What if that's true? I'd like to take a step back with you to try and bring you along to maybe re-examine and re-see this. Try and put yourselves in the shoes of someone who has never heard, who doesn't know about what we would call Jesus' presence in the meal. Think about someone who you might call an outsider even. They might have some generic knowledge of Jesus. But what sort of things do you think they're going to think when they come into this rail or when they come to worship and we celebrate communion? What thoughts are they going to have? I would imagine they might have some of these thoughts. As they hear us talking about take and eat, this is Jesus' body and Jesus' blood, they might say, wait, 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 wait. Eating flesh and blood, there's a word for that. Cannibalism, right? Say, what? These people are eating flesh and blood? That's crazy. But then, if they were curious, they didn't believe that, they would come up here, and then they would see what was being given out, some little pieces of bread and some wine, and they would laugh at us. They'd say, that's not body, that's not flesh and blood, that's bread and wine. And then they would hear what we say, that it gives forgiveness of sins and salvation. They say, well, that's too much for me. No way. How can something like that do that? And after all, isn't Jesus supposed to be ascended in heaven? How can he be here at this meal right now? That person would likely be hung up on, would likely be stuck on trying to understand what on earth we're talking about and how on earth it happens. Sometimes, though, I think if we're fair, if we're honest with each other, we too have those similar thoughts too. That when we come into this altar rail and we see with our eyes bread and wine, sometimes we are just like the Jews in this reading. Right? Jesus is saying these ridiculous things to them and they're acting, they're responding how I think is a natural way. Jesus says, look, I have come down from heaven. Okay, but aren't you born of a woman and a man that we know? How can you have come down from heaven? And then later he says, you must eat of my flesh. I'll give you my flesh. And again, I think they respond naturally. You mean we're supposed to eat you? What? They're hung up on how to understand Jesus' words and what he's saying to them. And sometimes, you and I are too. Sometimes, though, we focus on the wrong thing. Because what if we get too hung up on the how something like this happens, and we need to focus more on having faith in who Jesus is and what he has done and said about what happens in this meal? We're used to having faith in things, even if we don't understand how they work. I'm not just talking about things in our everyday life. There's lots of technologies that we might have heard of that are new and recent that we have no idea how they work. But I'm not talking about things like that. I'm not talking about things like Bitcoin or AI. No, I'm talking about things that you use on a regular basis. So, pulling out this thing. I can go to a browser on here, an internet browser, and this little square puck 
is connected to the internet without a cable. And somehow I can type some letters into this thing, and it will take me to this place, like stlucabot.org, and then on February 1st, I'm going to hit this button, and it's going to be a brand new website. How that works? I have absolutely no idea. But I have faith that when I hit go, it'll do what I want it to. Or what about those small little pills called ibuprofen? 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 However you say it. How is it that when I take one of these pills, it reduces my swelling, my inflammation, and relieves me of my pain in my body? I have no idea. But when I take it, I have faith that it will work. Or how is it that I can get into this square thing with wheels on it, turn a key, push a button, and do a little dance with my foot, and suddenly I'm moving down the road? Now, granted, there are some of you in this room that know how and why that works, but for someone like me, I don't really understand it all like that, but I have faith and trust that it works. So we're used to not understanding but believing that it works. But here's the difference. If we wanted to learn how every single one of those things worked, we could find someone. We could find an expert to explain it to us, to tell us how it works. Denny, I could ask you, how does a car work? And you could probably give me a pretty good explanation. Brian, I could turn to you and say, tell me, how is our network made so that then it's all connected and it's only one login password? And I bet you could explain that to me. But with the Lord's Supper, when we try and understand, when we solely focus on the how, if we were to truly grasp it and understand it, we remove the need for faith entirely. Because once you know something completely, what need is there to trust? What need is there to believe in what you can't understand? Luther says it, This way, he wrote this long, long piece about communion. But this is what Luther says. On this we take our stand, and we also believe and teach that in the supper we eat and take to ourselves Christ's body truly and physically. But how this takes place, or how he is in the bread, we do not know and are not meant to know. God's word we should believe without setting bounds or measure to it. The bread we see with our eyes, but we hear with our ears that Christ's body is present. Isn't that beautiful? The bread we see with our eyes, but with our ears we hear that Christ's body is present. Luther is trying to get us to see, look, you are not meant to know how it happens. You're meant solely to trust that what Jesus says about it is true. That he is present. That he is really here in this meal. That Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, becomes physically present here. That this is not a remembrance meal. It's not just a thing we do to look back. That Jesus Christ becomes incarnate right in front of you when we take communion. That in the same way that he fed 5,000 people, the same way he stood before his disciples, he is physically present here and feeds you with the food that will give to you eternal life. 
that in the same way that he hung upon the cross and died for the sins of the world, Jesus will feed you and give you his very blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus, here for you. The implications of that, the application of that is incredibly profound. It's ridiculous even. Again, Luther says this. This Jesus does in the supper, saying, This is my body, as if to say, At home you may eat bread also, where I am indeed sufficiently near at hand too. But this is the true this. The this is my body. When you eat this, you eat my body and nowhere else. Why? Because I wish to attach myself here with my word in order that you may not have to buzz about trying to seek me in all the places where I am. This would be too much for you. And you would also be too puny to apprehend me in these places without the help of my word. Do you see what Luther's trying to say? Saying, look, Jesus has instituted this meal. He has made this meal for you so that when you want more Jesus, when you feel like he is absent from you, when you feel disconnected from him, when you feel like he might even be against you, when you long to be with him, to be in his presence, don't run to the mountains. Don't run to the beach. Don't run to the cruise boat. Don't run to the woods. No, run here to this altar rail. Because this, this place, is where you get Jesus full blast for you. It's where he has promised for you to be physically present, physically real for your eternal salvation to prove to you, to show to you that he is here and for you and on your side. That is what happens here. That is why Jesus' presence makes the meal. And so while I wish that we had communion here today, come next week. Come next week to feast on Jesus' true body and true blood given and shed for you, physically present here in his meal. In Jesus' name, amen.